I mean, relating to people is really about being clear with yourself so that you can present in a way that they can open up to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's being a good mirror. It's being a good sponge. Welcome to the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast, where we explore the three facets of the modern man and discuss leadership, chivalry, and style so that you can continue to bring your best to the world. Hi, I'm Jeff Hendrickson, and through impactful subjects and in interviews with men I've known and worked with in various industries over the years, you'll learn some valuable lessons about modern men and their struggles and triumphs. Our interview today is with my friend Steve Weiss. Steve is a builder and construction manager with expertise in all areas of the building trades, including blueprint interpretation and engineering functions, and has received multiple awards for building excellence and unique design. He's a sailor of two oceans, having traveled over 20,000 miles, a motorcycle rider, and a scuba diver. I know him as a strong and empathetic leader and have worked shoulder to shoulder with him in developing leadership programs for young men. What I always appreciated about Steve was the way he listened, fed back what he heard, and then moved the conversation in a focused direction. He's the father of two amazing young people who are out making lives for themselves, and he lives in Cabin John, Maryland. I'm honored to have him join me today for this discussion. Steve, thank you very much for joining me tonight for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman Podcast. How are you tonight, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Jeff. How about yourself? Doing good, man. It's been a long time since you and I talked. I was just, I was thinking about it. And it's been maybe since like after the YMALQ, which by the way, I'm trying to figure out if I can, if I can start a YMALQ here in Cincinnati somehow or another. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that, seriously. That was, that, that was some cool actually, stuff. Actually, we, we spoke, I'm sorry, we spoke after that. You uh, offered to mentor Maya when she was oh, working on yes. the photography. Yes. And um, I'm not sure if you guys connected or not, but it we was did. great. Yeah. We did. She was yeah. she was fantastic, man. I, and and that was I, that was really cool for you to do that to, to to reach out to me and ask me that. I had never considered anything like that before, but it was cool. I still have all the files that she did. I still have a folder <laughs> with the file and all the stuff that she did. And if she's in any kind of position to do some more of that kind of work with me, I would love to talk to her again and see if she'd be willing to do a little bit more work, I, if, if she wants to. I've got Miles and Dylan are both working for me, doing some stuff right now, too. Um, and if it's something that, that she would entertain doing, uh, you know, a little bit again, I would, I'd, I'd love to, to work with Maya again. She was fantastic. Oh, that's very generous of you to offer that. I, I will put it out to her and see where she goes with it. I'm glad to hear that you're engaging with your sons in the professional business way as well. That's cool. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty neat. Uh, I've, uh, it's, it's something I've wanted to do with them for a while. So um, you read the questions, you know what the format is, you know that you know, on, this, on this podcast we go through a very, very, you know, it's, it's not super structured, but there are some questions I'm going to ask you. And as you know, I, you know, because you and I go back a ways to, I want to get deep in this. I want to talk about what it 
means to be a man. And you embody so many of the qualities of the sage, the warrior, and the gentleman that I just, I knew I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, you're, you're one of those guys who is real and you know how to cut through the bullshit. You know how to, you know how to get down to it. And you've done that with me a lot of times. You know, where I've come to you with something and you've looked at me and you've said, okay, how about this? How about this? How about this? And you've taken me from this really high level down to where I know I need to get granular and a little bit more finite. And that's always one of the, such a cool lesson that I learned from you, you know, back when, when, when we were doing that stuff. So I want to, I want to start off by, by talking about your occupation. I want you to tell everybody what you do how you got there. And then from that, we'll take that foundation and we'll get a little bit deeper into that. So let's, let's, let's start out with that occupation and what you do. I am a, I'm in construction. I am a field supervisor. The term is a superintendent. I've been a base superintendent, a level two superintendent, and I graduated to general superintendent, which oversees other superintendents. Um, I got in the business uh, sideways. My, my father was a general contractor, and I saw that the business was quite cyclical. It, every four or five years, it would dry up, and there wouldn't be any work, and I, I didn't want to do that. So I studied business management and psychology in college with the intention of becoming a, uh, a psychologist or a HR person. I love helping people um, with their careers and with their, their, their success. So when I graduated from college, there was a recession and nobody was hiring. It was kind of like it is now. Lots of people unemployed. And uh, my father had a job site that needed supervision. And he said, listen, as long as you're living in my house, you're going to work and go here and work and learn how to do that. So that's how it started. I went from there to creating my own company that constructed office space and medical space, uh, retail. I've worked uh, government buildings, secret buildings. I've done apartments. I've done custom homes. And, uh, yeah, there's the list of things that I haven't built is actually quite short. <laughs> I remember seeing some pictures of some of the custom homes that you did. I, do you have a favorite out of any of those types of construction work that you've done? I, I have, well, I have a few favorites. The one that comes to mind is the Freeman house. It was, a uh, this, natty old lady that just was so sweet she was an interior designer and she had started the design of this house with scott williams who was an architect and um she had this idea of doing seven degrees of separation and so the house was had this seven degree pitch to it and Architecturally, it was really cool, but being able to put it together and actually build it and make it stay was the challenge. And Scott called me 
And he said, listen, I've got these drawings, but I'm not sure it can be built. Can you, uh, can you come look at them? And so that's where it started. And it ended up being just a great relationship. Jean uh, had me over for Christmas with her family for the next seven years until she wow. actually moved to Colorado. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, seven seven degree pitch, seven degrees of separation, seven years of Christmases. Think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things do happen in threes. So for sure. Um, and it was a wonderful house. She called me up about six months after she moved in and she told me that her utility bills all total were $50 a month. And she just was so beside herself with joy about the care that we put into building the house. And, um, yeah, that was, that was, and I got a lot of joy that way from my business, from people, uh, whether it was just a kitchen renovation or a brand new house, it was always a lot of fun to see people realize their dreams of having uh, a kitchen that built around their style of cooking or, a house that has heated floors and and everybody has their own their own uh history with with houses and structures and you know the guy that lived in a house with seven brothers and sisters well he wants his own bathroom <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's 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 been a great career i've been doing it for 35 years now and wow. i love it still yeah yeah. And, you know, I, the cool thing about that, all that is, is how you relate to the person as a person, right? Not just a customer or somebody that you're building something for or somebody who's going to pay you money to do something. You're, you're, you're relating to the person and you're doing it <clears throat> in the way that I know you do because of how I know you and how I've seen you work with young men and, and, you know, work with older men and, and, all the all the different ways that you listen and understand where a person is coming from. So every single story you tell about how somebody relates to the job you did for them, that goes straight to my heart because I know you and I know that that's the way you work with people. Well, well thank you. I, um, I mean, relating to people is really about being clear with yourself so that you can present in a way that they can open up to you. Mm. And uh, so it's, it's being a good mirror. It's being a good sponge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we can use that for the segue because, you know, I want to go a little bit deeper about this occupation and, and what I want to try to get here is, what this occupation and what your work has meant to your family and to the world? What do you think the ramifications, the repercussions, the beauty of it all has, has filtered out through yourself into your kids and out into other people that you know? Uh, well, uh, the, the way it's affected my family, I'll start there is that, when I was starting out in this business and, my, and before I had my own family, uh, it was how I related to my father 
and because it was in his genes. His father was also a builder. So in, in a lot of ways, it was who he was, and he had a very clear way to do it. And it was old school. You shook somebody's hand, you looked them in the eye. That was your contract. That was how it was done. And that's how he taught me. And that's how I taught my son. Unfortunately, today's world is not that. It's it's a lot different. So um, family relating in a way that uh, through through our business was was powerful for my father and my son. For my wife and my daughter, it it was a means. It provided us with an income, and you know that afforded us the ability to do things, whether it was a family vacation or it was braces or college or whatever. It was it was a means to the end for for my wife and my daughter. I think they they appreciated the the value that I brought other people. Um, one, of the, one of the things I would do for my customers is when we completed the renovation, I would cook them dinner. I'd be the first one to cook dinner in their house. And I would take orders. What would you like me to make you? Um, wow. What's your favorite meal? Wow. And the, the night that they moved in, I would come in and I would cook them their dinner. And bring plates and, you know, do the whole service. And my wife and daughter loved that I did that. They really saw the joy in, in the giving. Of course, the customers loved it as well. It was a, a fun time to test what they thought paella should taste like versus what, how I make it kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that's how that's family as far as changing the world i mean how it affected the world i i think i brought powerful moments to a few people i i don't think i you know altered the planet in in any huge way i think that there are small moments that occur to people in their lives now as a result of me being in their lives earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example of that is a conversation I would have with somebody about how high the shower bench in their master shower should be. Are you going to sit in it? Or are you going to shave your legs in it? Are you going to store things on it? Let's, let me build it for you and you test it. And then I'll change it if you like. And to this day, they're sitting on that shower bench going, hmm, it's a perfect height. <laughs> so those are the small pieces and and they are really small in in the grand scheme of things I didn't I didn't cure anything <laughs> I didn't cause anybody to have some great uh moment in their lives that they cured cancer or something just small incremental pieces Yeah don't don't think that it's being small though I mean any Anything we do that makes somebody smile or bring a little bit of joy to their lives can can explode in a lot of different ways, right? A happy person walks out 
because of something you help them create, they're a happier person during the day, which means that they go to work happier, which means that their conversations are a little bit better. So to me, man, that, that stuff, that stuff filters out and it really does keep on going. That's cool. Your story about the, your story about the dinners, man, that's, that's just amazing that, 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 that you would do something like that and, and open up that project to somebody that way. That's phenomenal. Of course, your wife and your daughter are going to love something like that. Everybody's going to love something like that. That shows who you are as a man. That's, that's phenomenal. All right. So we talked a little bit before I hit record. And we can go wherever you want to with this, but um, I'd like for you to share your biggest mistake with us. And let's talk about that just a little bit. You know, one where you, one where you weren't sure of how you'd recover. It's, it's, these are good lessons for us all to learn. Can you share something with us for that? Um, well, I've, I've made lots of mistakes. And to find the one biggest one is, is a challenge. Um, I would say that uh, at an early part in my business career, I, I made a choice and I didn't think to consult my wife about it. And um, because it was my business and I mean, not my business, but my my company and my concern on the company. And I felt that in order to grow it, I needed more people. And so I brought in more people. And um, without consulting her, I didn't um, get a good look. I was only looking at it from my own side. And, and it didn't work out. And it cost not just money, it costs, um, cost my, my heart was broken. And, um, and when that happens, it affects everybody around you. And, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't look to my wife cause, uh, as forgiving as she was, she, her, it's, she's look, you didn't talk to me about this. This is all on you. And so, I had to look to men to to get support for for that, and um, I've worked for the past ten years to try and get back to my wife's trust, if you will. She trusts me that she wants to verify, and and I understand what that looks like. And I, I was, I was definitely wrong at that moment. Mm-hmm. So I know that if it's important, I need to consider how it's important to other people as well, so that I can not be self-serving all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that the, is that the big lesson that you get from that? Is that a lesson that you would? say is something you could pass on to other people? Uh, to, yeah, uh, to, to be succinct about it. To, it's what, what comes out of your mouth affects everybody within your shot. Yeah. 
and and without without putting some forethought and consideration into it, you're just swinging a sword. Because other people have, uh, you, know, you don't know what they're thinking, going through, experiencing, and when they hear it, um, how it affects them. Just like you said, when you send someone out with a smile, how it causes smiles in others, the same thing's true on the other side. And when we become sensitive to those things, we become trustworthy and uh, yeah. Mm. I like that. When we become sensitive to those things, that's a really good way to put it. It's almost, I mean, you know, in, in my career and in what I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm an interviewer. So I'm like a strategist and I run these sessions all around the world. And my biggest thing is, is getting out of people the honest truth about where the problems are. And that in my world, we call that practicing empathy, right? Where we're, where we're listening without judgment, where we're asking questions kind of like I'm asking you, right? Where I'm probing and I'm really mm -hmm. trying to dig to get to the truth. So the sensitivity part for me makes a whole lot of sense because it's, 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 it's what we do. It's having that empathy, it's having that compassion as well. But that sensitivity means that you understand that you're not the only person in this. There are other people here and you have to be sensitive to their needs. That's, that's cool, man. I like that. Absolutely. And, yeah. and it's hard for men because mm -hmm. we come to the table wanting to fix everything. You know, that's our MO is, is you know, how can I put my fix on that? Mm -hmm. And uh, one, one of the things I've learned through this is it's not about how I'm going to fix it. Sometimes just being there and listening is what's called for. Yeah. And setting aside my own agenda as a man to be there as a support for not just women, for other men, for boys, for girls, for the human race. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So switch tracks a little bit now. And now let's go to wins. Share a really, really good, strong win with us. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, recent or just my whole Doesn't life. matter. I, yeah, just yeah. I have just so many accomplishments that I. I know you do. Win. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I um, I like living close to the edge and walking down that ridge where you've got safety on one side and the abyss is right there and so um most most of my experiences are are that um i've sailed the ocean i've uh ridden motorcycle my new thing i'll do this one my new thing is long distance motorcycle riding and it compares to my sailing career it compares to my uh my construction career in that it requires incredible planning. It requires utmost patience and it, and, and the most is it requires being willing to do 
whatever you have to do to make it work, whether it's push the motorcycle, get, you know, uh, lose sleep. Um, I just got back from a trip from Kansas to Washington, D.C., 1,200 miles. I did it in a little less than 19 hours. Uh, there were seven gas stops and seven um, stops to take pictures of a statue as part of a club. So, um, you know, it averaged about 60 miles an hour. Um, didn't rain. It was scorching hot. Uh, all the challenges you, you would face. Um, I faced. I woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning to, to get the ride started because I knew that it was going to be hot. Mm-hmm. And three deer ran across my path trying mm-hmm. to take me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, all the little things uh, that, that make it successful. So, you, uh, you're, yeah. you're, you're an adventurer. Uh, this, is, this is one thing I know about you. I know a tiny little bit about the sailing, but I do remember at the YMALQ where you came up with a station where you would be in a boat in the middle of a lake and dive down into the water and not come up because you had a scuba tank down there. Uh-huh. Just to see the effect of what the kids would do, what their reaction would be. Right. Who jumped in, who right. stood up, who was concerned, who was passive. Yeah, that was a, that was a interesting station. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I've, I've sailed um, up and down the East Coast about a dozen times. I have about 25,000 nautical miles in the ocean. Um, I spent three months on a sailboat sailing across the Indian Ocean, which is, by the way, one of the most dangerous oceans, second to the Southern Ocean. I remember hearing about um, that, yeah. And sailing in and of itself takes a an incredible amount of balls to, to do to, yeah. the way I do it because yeah. people will call me up and say, I need to move my boat. So I don't know the boat. I don't know the people. And I get on the boat and have to immediately assess, is this a survivable thing? And, and, and choose. Yeah. And most of the time I choose to go. Uh, I took a friend once on a trip to Tortola. Uh, we left Tortola and went up to uh, Bar Harbor, Maine, with wow. one guy, three of wow. us. Wow. We got on the boat, and the guy had all this plastic covering like your grandma used to have on her sofas. And he said, Whatever there's plastic covering, don't touch it. You can sleep here, you can eat here. He was very anal about his boat. It was a beautiful boat. <laughs> but he was like, don't touch anything. You can steer. This is how you do it. This is how you Uh-oh. trim the sail. So well, the third day up, we hit a storm. And there were 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds, 7 to 10-foot seas. Um, a boat about 500 miles away from us lost its keel and turned turtle and Five passengers died, five uh, souls on board. Uh, it was a vicious storm. And we came out the other end smiling, best of friends. He's uh, like, yeah, take that plastic off. Enjoy yourself. 
yeah. It was great. Good did time. you did did you sail as a kid? I didn't sail as a kid. My parents believed in power boats. So oh. um, the way it happened was I was going to build an addition on a guy's house and his sailboat was on a um, carrier in the backyard in the way. And I called him up and I said, listen, man, you need to move your sailboat so I can build your addition. He says, I don't use it anymore. I'm tired of looking at it. Can you just take it away? So <laughs> I, I pulled my truck up to it and dragged it home and spent a year fixing it. And my son and I got on it and, learned how to sail. See, I remember that. <laughs> I, I remember all of a sudden you were sailing and yep. I never got a chance to ask you how in the hell it all got started. Just all of a sudden you were sailing and then you were sailing this ocean and then you were sailing that. I'm like, okay, Steve, you go, man. <laughs> it was rocks. really cool because the, I was at the time I was doing the ocean sailing. I was, uh, on the weekend call with the men. And I would call in when we met, made landfall, mm -hmm. call in and participate on the weekend call with the men. And they were like, describe what it smells like out in the ocean. Oh, and yeah. How bright the stars are. And it was really <laughs> awesome to share those moments with uh, men from all over the world on a, yeah. on a call. That's cool. That is so cool, man. Way to go. Way to go. Those are good stories. So, you know, this, this, this incorporates a lot of the stuff that are in my questions already. So we've gone like, we've gone a lot of really cool ways. I wanted to get into even more detail, but let's keep on rolling. I, I think with this, maybe, maybe we'll come back at a different time and talk about some other things, but let's, let's keep rolling on this. So you and I have done, you did the weekend, right? I did a weekend, yes. You did, did a weekend, right. Week. I remember, that's right, that's right, that's right. And I did the Sterling Men's Weekend. So, you know, some of, some of what I do here is definitely what I learned from that. And you're the first man I've interviewed who's, who's done that and who I've been on team with and who I've done these types of things with. Um, and what we learn is leadership. We, we, we learn about honor. We learn about integrity, right? And to me, these, and this is what embodies a modern man. That's, and, and this sage warrior gentleman thing came to me, honestly, in the middle of the night one night, I was trying to figure out what I could do for men and, and specifically for, for, for older men, you know, for guys like us who have been around we've done a lot of things we've got a lot of really really great lessons to teach and so I'm kind of trying to foster some sort of a mentorship program out of all this I don't know exactly what's going to happen yet but I knew that I wanted to start this and to me a modern mature man a modern older guy and I'm talking about guys that are maybe like 40 45 and up um, I've got a wide range of men that I've been interviewing. I've got some younger guys I'm going to interview because I just, I see a wisdom in them. You know, I, I know them and we talk. And when we tackle challenges together, I see a really, really mature process that they're using in their head to work through these problems. I don't see a young man. I see somebody who is wise and has this kind of wisdom in them. 
So let's go in that direction for just a little bit. Leadership, honor, integrity, confidence, compassion. Let's talk about some of that kind of stuff. I know you as a really strong leader, but out of those, let's just pick those five words, leadership, honor, integrity, confidence, compassion. Which one of those words do you want to talk about? I, what's going on in the world today? I think compassion is probably one that rings loudest for me that we've got um, from the millions, tens of millions of people out of work, the hundreds of thousands of people that have died of the coronavirus and the probably millions of people they're related to that have experienced that drama. Um, the, I'm going to be really gentle with this one. The, uh, the government and its uh, inability to service its constituents. About that, I think compassion is what the world needs a lot of these days. You know, you see, uh, I, I just drove all the way across the country, and I feel like there is so much pent-up fear and anxiety in, in in our country that we need to really pull out all the compassion we can muster so that we give each other the room to get through this, however it's going to look on the other side. Yeah. And, and all the other ones, leadership, uh, you know, honesty, integrity, those are all, they're all important. I mean, I'm, I'm not choosing one over the other just because I think it's important. I think right now it's the most apropos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Understood. Understood. And that kind of, that works into the next part of this too, because another, another one of my thoughts and beliefs around this is that chivalry is not dead. You know, to me, there's, I know it exists out there because I research what I do <clears throat> a lot. I've researched this a lot. There are other men and other websites out there talking about chivalry and how chivalry is not dead. And I've been, I've been thinking about this for a long time. So you chose compassion in there. And I believe that compassion is a huge part of chivalry. Is there anything you'd like to say about Chivalry, does it does it mean anything to you? Well, when when I was growing up, chivalry was you know being a gentleman, being mm -hmm. there to uh, open the door for a woman to to show a a level of respect, and um, I think it's changed. I think that uh, the definition for me anyway, is more about being present as a man so that whatever is in front of me, I can accept on that term without the judgment that I would, quite honestly, I, I used to have a lot of judgments around uh, homosexuals, around TGLGBT, around lifestyles, 
other than what I perceived as correct. And so I, I've had to grow up around that. And really, that's, that's the term I'm going to use, growing up, maturing into a chivalrous man. Yeah. Um, which is uh, about respect, which brings integrity about your respect, you know, yeah. having a clear understanding of my own limits and barriers so that when they show up, I can say, yeah, I, that's one of my buttons right there. Mm-hmm. Am I going to let it explode me like it usually does or like it's done in the past? Or am I going to step into a place where I'm bigger than that little button that really used to control me? Yeah. And so chivalry is uh, is a big part. Yes, I agree. I think it's a it's a good piece. Now that was an honest moment, and I will tell you honestly, from me and from my heart, that was an honest moment that brought tears to my eyes when you when you admitted that kind of that kind of reaction to certain things you know, that was, that, that was an older part of you that still responds. You brought a tear to my eye, dude. <laughs> I've got a tear rolling down my cheek right now. That was an honest moment. And man, that's, that's what I want to get to. That was, that was beautiful. Thank you for, thank you for saying that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So another big part of all this and I've always known you to be a healthy guy. Let's talk about health a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to hit as many facets of being a man as there is. And, you know, all too often, a lot of us let our health go. I mean, I wish I were healthier. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I stay healthy. I ride a bike. I, I do a lot of things. But what does health mean to you? I, it, it means a lot. I've been blessed that in my uh, my body has not reacted to the way I've treated it and I've completely abused it. And, um, it's not given, given way. Um, I, I, I am not as healthy as I, I don't think anyone who really honestly looks at themselves is as healthy as they could be. Uh, and, um, uh, about five years ago, I stopped, being fanatical about it and because the fanaticism that was was generating anxiety which in and of itself was not healthy mm-hmm. so I decided that I was going to just be measured and so I'll start my day depending on what I'm doing for work I will get up and go for two or three mile walk every morning and it's it's my time for me to talk things out with myself, to listen to a meditation or to just enjoy nature. Um, And I do it at a quick pace and I come home with a little sweat and I consider that uh, my exercise for the day. And if I have an opportunity later in the day to do sit-ups or crunches or you know, while I'm watching the news, I'll lay on my back and do crunches and that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm not uh, 
focused on it anymore. I've got a little jelly roll, and I'm enjoying my jelly roll. You know, it's what it's what uh, I I deserve it. <laughs> You've earned it. <laughs> I earned it exactly. And you know what? When someone comments on it, I say, you know what? I worked hard for that, man. Man, I worked hard for that. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. good. <laughs> Uh, that's good. That's cool. I, I do the same thing with walks too. I put, uh, um, I belong to audible, you know, so I get a, a, a book credit a month and I go out and walk three, four, five miles. And here where I live is really hilly. And some I'm at the bottom of the hill, uh, university of Cincinnati, UC is just right up the hill for me. I'm actually looking at a tower that sits just off the edge of UC and it's just right up the hill. But I mean, these are steep hills here. <laughs> this, this is like San Francisco or like Staten Island where I lived for a little while too. This is really hilly here. And sometimes I'll do flat. Sometimes I'll do the hills. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for a hill today. And talk about coming home sweaty. Yeah, you better believe it, man. You come home sweaty. But you're learning while you're doing it, right? And I think that's part of it too is this, is this walking meditation is – what I have found to be the best about going out and doing something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's connecting to yourself so that when you face something during the day, you already have that firm stance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The exercise at the beginning in that. Yeah, cool. Okay. All right, so uh, we're winding down towards the end here, sir. Um, we've got just uh, one, maybe two more questions and then we'll be finished. So I talked to you earlier about mentorship and how I'm, I'm trying to see if I can turn this into some sort of a mentorship program. So here's the question. If you were to mentor a younger man, what area do you think you could have a really strong influence? What area of the country? No, what area of life? experiences, um, strengths? Um, that's a, uh, okay. I, I would say that I could help a young man get the, get his legs under him, get a firm stance. Um, I've, uh, I've been practicing hypnosis for about eight years now and hypnotherapy and I've been helping people through that means and I found and I've spoken to a lot of uh, other mentors that use uh, word placement to help people um, how you intone your, your words how you speak how you uh, relate. And so I've, I've assembled a vast array of tools to help most people with, uh, their stumbling blocks, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, and I use it all, all the time. I use it uh, with my family. I use it at work. I use it, uh, when I'm ordering something, um, I found that it's, it can be very soothing to people. So uh, if I were, if a young man or woman came to me and said, hey, I, I need some help with this, I think I could probably pull something out of my quiver of arrows to 
at least nudge them along in the right direction. I think there's a couple different kinds of mentoring. And if you're doing something, if I'm doing something long-term, the first couple meetings would be about what they would want to expect to get, what the results are so that we can figure out how to get to those results. And I think that's an important step that a lot of people leave out of a lot of things. Yeah. You know, um, what are we going to get from this? Let's mm-hmm. start with that. Cause if we don't know where we're going to go, getting there is really convoluted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's just, take that one step further since that's is something brand new. I've just learned about you and you're a man who always surprises me somehow or another. You're, you're just that, that dude that's, that, that's got that. So if somebody are, if somebody were listening to this podcast and they wanted to reach out to you, would I be able to connect them with you? Absolutely. Okay. I, you know, I, I'm happy to give of my time. It's one of the things I'm hoping I have a lot of left. Mm-hmm. And so um, I can, in the first 15 or 20 minutes, I can assess whether it's something I can help somebody with. And I'm, I'm happy to speak with most anybody. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. All right. So you and I will talk about um, a way that we can, that we can accomplish that if anybody reaches out. Okay. Absolutely. You can, you can just give them my phone number. I, okay. I almost answer it all the time. Cool. And, cool. Um, you know, I, 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 the backstory of the hypnosis is that I off of the sailing trip and I desperately wanted to quit smoking. And um, I went to a hypnotist and it worked. <laughs> and I said, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> and so I started taking into it and researching it and understanding it and the thing behind the thing and how it's connected to that thing. And wait a minute, if you're getting hypnotized by someone talking to you, that pretty much happened when you're sitting in a study hall or in a lecture and you zone out. Oh, yeah. Well, how can you control your own voice to cause that to happen Uh, and cause people to, yeah. That's cool. So in your travels with your business, you could use some of it as a tool to get to that thing you're looking for behind the thing. I probably could. People always love to hide their fears of change. Yeah. And... So, well, as soon as you started talking about that, the, the first thought in my mind was, I want to get on your client list <laughs> because <laughs> I could definitely use a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting to see how, how what I do kind of relates to what you do. I'm sure that what you do is much deeper. Um, and those are stories we can, we can take offline. But um, yeah, that's cool. All right. So thank you for offering that. So uh, if you're listening... And you'd like to get in touch with Steve for some hypnotherapy, uh, just reach out, let me know, and I will put you in touch with Steve. So, dude, um, we're ready to wrap up here. Last question I ask everybody that I interview is this, 
And <laughs> actually, you're going to be the first one who recognizes this question. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, I, I would like to say that it's a real joy speaking to you. And I'm so glad you reached out to this, to do this. I, I had some anxiety around um, doing it because I wasn't sure. I don't, didn't want to come across as being that, that guy. Um, maybe I did, but either way, I loved uh, connecting with you and um, the, the shared experience that we have will continue to grow and I wish you the best for sure on this podcast and this project and uh, elsewhere. Thank you, man. That's fantastic. And this was, this was awesome for me, man reconnecting with you and hearing some of the things that you said and you know that one super honest moment that you brought and i i've i've still got tears in my eyes just um you know talking to you and and finishing this out and knowing now what you and i can share with the world you know as i as as i shared with you earlier i'm getting some really good feedback on this so far and the men that i've been interviewing are getting really cool feedback from their friends and from their associates. And I want that for you. This is, this is about you. I'm facilitating this, but you know, for all intents and purposes, man, this is about you. This is to share your story. This is to teach some lessons through who you are as a man and, and, and what I know of you. So this is, this is awesome. I can't thank you enough, Steve. Thank you very much for doing this with me tonight. Well, it was, it was my pleasure. All right, cool. I'll be talking to you soon, buddy. Thanks much. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.